Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our reading today is from 2 Timothy 4, scriptures 9, uh, verses 9 through 12. If you would like to follow along and make sure that I pronounce everything uh, correctly, you can follow along in your hymnals on page uh, 1086. But first, let's center our souls around a bit of prayer. God of mercy, you promise to never break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of our generation, speak your eternal word that does not change. Then we may respond to your gracious promises with faithful and obedient lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Personal instructions. Do your best to come to me soon, for Demos, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens, he's gone to Galicia. Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful in my ministry. I have sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coopersmith, he, he did me great harm. The Lord will pay him back for his deeds. You must also be aware of him, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, nobody came to my support, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them, but the Lord stood by me and gave me strength so that I might, through me, the message might be fully proclaimed to all the Gentiles who might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and save me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Final greetings and benediction. Greet Prisha and Aquila in the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained in Corinth. Trophimus I left ill in Miletus. Do your best to, to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be to you. We know that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but, but the word of our Lord is forever. What if your faith were to become richer, deeper, a year from now? What if the coming year was a year of spiritual journey? What would you need to do? How would you start? Through the journey of our life, for our faith to grow, sometimes we need to ask for directions. Holy friendship. 
So it may come as no surprise to a number of you that friendship by a measure has been on the decline in the United States, and the pandemic didn't help any of that. So in June, Christine Pearson wrote an article in the New York Times. She cited a Gallup poll that said 12% of American adults, one in 10 American adults, cannot name one close friend. One in 10 American adults cannot name one close friend, including family members. To follow up to that, a professor in neuroscience and psychology, Julianne Holt Lundstad, teaches at Brigham Young University. She did a meta-analysis of the literature, and she said that the lack of friendship, the lack of good friends, can increase in persons incidences of heart disease and stroke, incidences of addictions, incidences of challenges in their lives like depression and anxiety. She said friendship is as health-relevant as exercise and getting a good night's sleep. That's how important friendship is to our whole selves. And there's likely no more truthful text about friendship in all of Scripture than this passage that Rachel bravely and beautifully read for us. This conversation between the Apostle Paul and Timothy is one of the best illustrations of what it means to be in holy friendship. So in this letter... Paul writes these words near the end of his life. He is clearly aware that his time in this world is coming to a close. And it's my experience that when we get to that point, there's a certain clarity that emerges about what really matters, what's, what's of ultimate importance. And Paul begins to rehearse and recite people in his life. I imagine it almost as if in his mind's eye, he's looking at the mantle over the fireplace and there are photographs of people that have been important in his life. And he begins to, to gather in his mind these people who've contributed to his own faith, who've enriched his own life, who journeyed with him in ministry. He gathers his friends. He says, Luke is with me. I'm so grateful for his presence Timothy, get, get Mark. When you come, bring Mark. He is so useful to me. Give my love to Prisca and Aquila. He's, he's rehearsing these people that he loves and people that have loved him. And, and he's honest about it. Like, like all of us, not every relationship has been positive. He says, Alexander the coppersmith. He was hard for me. He, he did me great harm. He's hurt the church. We'll let him deal with that with God. And Timothy, when I went to trial, it was scary for everyone, and no one came with me. But God carried me through, he says. And he says again, he uh, repeats the point of this letter, Timothy, I need to see you. Uh, come, come before winter, 
I, I don't know that I'll survive another winter. Come as soon as you can. It would do my heart good to see you one more time. This is the clarity that comes to Paul's mind when he realizes his time in this world is running out and, and he knows that the work that he's done, it, it matters. The contributions he's made, they're important. The truth of it is you and I would not likely be part of this faith apart from this one man's burning desire to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to Gentiles, to people like you and me. And yet, even for this great saint of the church, at the end of the day and at the end of his days, what matters most is the friends that he has found along the way. I love the image you've just given to us about that mantle of our lives and seeing these photographs of significant persons journeying with us. The claim we're making, Tom and I, this morning is that friendship is holy work. It's hard work. It takes time, but it's also holy work because we believe that friendship lives in that space in between us and others, right? We are created for relationships. So that space between us and God, between us and other people, between us and the creation, that's the space where faith dwells. And that's what makes it such a holy relationship because faith dwells in that space in between us and God, in between us and others, in between us and creation. Tom, you made the claim, and you're exactly right, that we probably wouldn't even be here were it not for the faithfulness and the courage of Paul. One of my Bible scholar friends, she calls him the super apostle. So it strikes me as particularly poignant that towards the end of his life, this super apostle, he speaks honestly and vulnerably about what he needs and he pleads with Timothy to come see him. Make that long journey, please, I need you. That's a powerful letter to write. I've actually written that letter. It was a number of years ago. One of my mentor friends was watching me and seeing how I was living my life, the work that I was doing, and he said, I'm worried about you. I'm worried about the patterns you are setting for your life. I'm worried about how you're caring for yourself. He suggested that I go see a friend of his who's a therapist. I tried that. That didn't seem to be doing anything. And the therapist actually suggested that I gather a group of friends. She said, why don't you write to some people that you love and respect, that you believe love and respect you, and ask them if they would come and be with you. So I did that. I prayed about it and invited seven friends to join me for a weekend and just talk with me about the patterns of my life. To my amazement, all seven of them said yes. We've been meeting for a weekend, usually at a beach house somewhere, either in North Carolina or in California. Our first meeting was at Asilomar in the conference center there in the Bay Area. It was a marvelous weekend. It was also a terrifying one for me because I laid open my life, body, mind, and soul. They asked hard questions. They held me accountable. We ate some good food together. 
walked on the beach. That's been happening every year now for 27 years. One of them has died and gone to heaven. I look forward to seeing him when I visit heaven. One of them had a stroke a few years ago and cannot travel anymore, so we're down to five. They call them the Roger days. And I love them and I hate them because it is a terrifying and grace-filled weekend. I've written that letter. Please, would you be willing to come sit with me? And by the grace of God, all seven of them came. By God, they came. Friendship is hard work. It's also holy work. So, you've probably written that letter or made that call. I need to see you. I, I can't do this by myself right now. There's something I need to say. You've, you've probably done that. And you probably have received that letter or that call, someone reaching out saying, I need you now. And we know that as Roger has just courageously shared, responding to that is an act of grace and it is an act of love. It is, it is holy work. I've written the letter. I've made the call. I need to see you. I've also, on occasion, received it. I, I would like uh, it, 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 another, letter, uh, another letter that Paul writes he describes the relationship this way. He says in the church, bear one another's burdens. We, we often hear that from a position of strength, that what Paul is telling us to do is to take care of those who need our care. But that's not exactly what he says. He, he says, bear one another's burdens, which means sometimes you are the strong one. You're the one who's providing strength and support. Sometimes you're the one who has the need. And both of those are human, and so both are holy. I received this letter a few years ago. It actually came as a phone call. It was from who many of you know, Dr. Bob. He was the founding pastor of this church, left, left Pittsburgh Seminary and with, with um, uh, uh, energy and intelligence, imagination and love. He walked these streets and uh, knocked on every door in Prairie Village. Admittedly, in those days, it was more prairie than village, but he, he welcomed everybody, invited everybody to come and, and share a new venture together called the Village Church. He was a saint in shoes and one of the finest pastors I ever had the privilege to know. He called me and he said, Tom, I want you to come see me if you have a moment. It was unusual. We got together often, but I don't remember that he ever reached out, except this time. He said, I, I, I want you to come if you have a moment. Like the apostle, Bob recognized that the time was coming close. And when I sat down with him, I realized in that moment he had called me because he wanted to say goodbye. That was the purpose of the visit. He told me he was weary, and I told him he had left nothing undone. He, 
He bragged on his children, anything but children now, all grown up, but he talked about how they, when he needed them most, made sure that there was no need that went unaddressed. And then he wanted us to talk about heaven. And we imagined together what it was like. He lifted up some scripture, I lifted up some scripture, and we went from there. And he said, no surprise to me, he said, I cannot wait to see Shirley again. Few men have loved their wives the way Dr. Bob loved Shirley. He was so ready to be with her. And then we spoke of each other. I told him I loved him. He said he loved me. I told him that over the 17 years that we knew each other, he had become something of a mentor to me, a, a father figure that I valued greatly. And then, and then we talked about you. We talked about the love that we share for you. And we talked about people in moments, sort of reciting the story of this church. And we prayed and we gave thanks to God for all that God had done here. It was one of those meaningful conversations I've had in my life. But the important thing and the grace of it is we didn't say anything that day that we hadn't already said some other time. It, it wasn't new information. It wasn't unfinished business. It was rehearsing and reciting friendship. And it was holy. I think we see in this passage from Paul, as he comes to the end of his life, he gains a clarity about what his life is about. The accomplishments that he had done, they were important. But what really mattered, what, what makes you and me human, what makes us who we are, is not what we do, it's who we love and, and how we love them. That's what our days are for. So in these last words of the apostle, we're taught to pay attention to friendship. Don't be casual about it. It's not just something we experience. It is something we practice. It's something we are disciplined about. Friendship needs to show up on your calendar and on your priority list. It is, it's something that we need to work into the rhythm of our days. Friendship is holy work. So in the days to come, think about the people who you need to send a letter to. I need a conversation with you. It may not be because you're in need, it's just because you love them. I, I need some time with you. Think about the people who might need you. Not everybody's as courageous as Paul or Roger to say, I need you now. So think about who might need you and reach out. You'll recognize in that practice that God is very present and full of blessing. Friendship is holy work. So what we've hoped to do during these times, these conversations with you, is to point out that faith 
is something that grows. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit, of course, but, but God gifts us faith and then helps us give us practices to grow that faith. So our hope has been through these sermons, the first sermon Tom shared with us, Bible, Scripture, to study and love the Scripture, then to discern and tell the truth, to seek and speak truth, to pray, to share the Lord's Prayer as we do together, then to journey together, to go on pilgrimages, because the journey is important. We talked about mission, that you and I are not just here for ourselves, we are sent out into the world. And today we're talking about holy friendship, on the conviction that faith dwells in that space between us and others. And that's what this nudge is for, just to remind us of the power of friendship and the work that takes being friends with one another. It's hard work. It is holy work. And by the grace of God, it will save your life. It will help to save your life. Please pray with us. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.